When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Engel. Die Dickens. Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. We are on round number 10. The year is 1985. We are pulling together some of our favorite overlooked tracks, overlooked artists, songs that are really worth a second listen. I'm here with my best friends from Needham High School. We all graduated high school back in 1987. We've been sharing music with each other for many decades now, and we're doing it together with you. Welcome to Deep Cuts. So if we've been mostly polite up to now, I would say this is the year where it starts to get a little bit of sharp elbow action, right? Because we kind of all have favorite bands, favorite artists, favorite overlooked tracks, and we may all be competing a little bit for uh, which ones are going first. Yes. It's going to get messy this week. Yeah, it's going to be a little Mad Max tonight. <laughs> yeah, so it's 1985. We are, uh, at this point, I believe we're juniors, or are we sophomores in high school? Yeah. Sophomores. I love the way you say sophomores. Yes, we're sophomores. <laughs> sophomores. <laughs> sophomore. Sophomore. I think we're probably somewhere in, yeah, one of those two. One of those two. So it's a very interesting year. I'm here with Derek Brain. I'm here with Bill Federico. I'm here with Rich Ayer, Chris Nashwadi, myself, Tom Skull. We're going to be exploring, again, some of our favorite cuts from this particular year, 1985. Who's doing history this year? Is this uh, Derek? You're doing That it. would be me. All right, Derek Brain, what happened in 1985? Okay, 1985, Wham were shaking their asses and New Coke was pissing off the masses. <laughs> Wait, that's right. Oh, it's beautiful. You know it's time when Derek rides. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Ronald Reagan was uh, sworn in for his second term. Mikhail Gorbachev became the leader of the Soviet Union. The AIDS crisis continued to rage uh, in America, at least. Violence in South Africa related to apartheid was raging. I was a kind of clueless suburban high schooler, but 85 seems like a crazy year. There were like all these, looking up the news from 85, there were all these like airline crashes and like terrorist bombings everywhere. I mean, it was uh, bombings in Beirut and Spain and Northern Ireland. This is the year was the uh, hijacking of the Kili Loro. I mean, there was just... I don't remember being terrified, but reading the news was like kind of scary. On a lighter note, the new Coke came out, you know, a big kind of marketing disaster slash scam. The first Nintendo console was released, the first version of Windows. It was a big year for uh, musical activism. We had Live Aid spearheaded by uh, Bob Geldof. I definitely remember watching that. 
seeing you two or Bowie and seeing, being pretty excited about that. Phil Collins played on two continents. Phil Collins flew around the world. <laughs> the only one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the only one. You went on the Concord, I think. Yes. That's right. Uh, it was also the year of We Are the World. A couple of big musical activism in terms of big music that year. Born in the USA uh, by Springsteen was big. It was a big year for Madonna with their Like a Virgin album. It was a big year for Wham! with Make It Big. Tina Turner's Private Dancer. Big singles. Again, Careless Whisper, Like a Virgin. Stuff that we were kind of into. Started getting up there in the charts. Tears for Fears got to number seven with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Simple Minds got to number 16 with uh, Don't You Forget About Me. Partially due to uh, The Breathless Club. Movie-wise, Back to the Future. Beverly Hills Cop. Big year for uh, Sly Stallone with uh, Rocky IV and uh, Rambo First Blood. It was the year of Goonies. Big movie for us uh, as a group personally was Fletch. It was the year. Ah. (laughs) Year of Fletch. We could just stop and do the episode on that right now. I know. We could do an hour on Fletch. Ready? Let's do the movie. I think we can quote it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be willing to bet you we could probably, between the five of us, quote every single line in the film and just almost compete to see who can kind of get the most. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've done that a few times. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times. Many times. I don't know why that movie hit us so much, but it hit us in exactly the right spot. Because it's great. That's true. That's right. It's great. Peak Chevy. And uh, But again, you know, as is going to come up, there's lots of big, big albums. Head in the Door by The Cure, Tim by The Replacements, another great Chameleons record with What Does Anything Mean?, Meet his murder by the Smiths. Just goes on and on. But uh, let's uh, get into it. Yeah. Yeah. We're entering the real sweet spot, man. Indeed. I've said it before, and I will say it again. 85 is the greatest year in musical history. And this is where I think I dropped the mic. Although I don't think our French producers would be happy about that. It's a very expensive mic. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't drop the mic, but I proverbially... Drop the mic right now. But why don't you start, Bill? Are you giving me the option? Oh. Yeah, I'll give you the option. Oh. oh, my goodness. All right, I will go. Did he pay you? I love it when he does who me. Who me? Really? You want me? Who me? Oh. Who me? Come on. Uh, well, as Derek said, this is just an incredible year. I have at least 50 albums I could go through with that are just incredible. And if I had to live anywhere, I think I would choose 1985. It was that good a year. I'm going to go with a song that's kind of the mantra for this podcast, which is Rubber Ring, because it's a song told from the perspective of music, really. The song is the narrator, and it's imploring you not to forget the songs that uh, stood by you. It's got a funky little riff by Johnny Marr. A Rubber Ring is really a lifesaver or a life preserver. Songs as, uh, as things that save your life. Tom has a different interpretation of (laughs) of rubber ring, I think. Tom uses a different interpretation. (laughs) A slightly spicier version. Uh, But no, really, it's it's a life preserver. I mean, he asked you not to forget the songs that made you cry, the songs that made you smile, the songs that saved your life. And what's great is this song includes Frau Annalise, Tom's Mutter, at the end of the song, and she says, uh, you are sleeping, you do not want to believe. It also includes an Oscar Wilde quote, everybody's clever nowadays, which I think is from um, the importance of being earnest. Anyways, this is just a great marriage of lyrics and music. Johnny Marr is phenomenal on this song. It's Rubber Ring by The Smiths. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 10, the year is 1985. 
That is an inside joke. Yeah, you need to explain that to the audience. Tom's mom is from Germany. Yes, because not everybody knows Frau Annalise, uh, Tom's Mutter. <laughs> She's German, obviously. And we've always joked that that is Tom's mom at the end of the song, which obviously it's- Because yeah, it sounds just like- It does sound. It really yeah. does. It does. But it's actually from a Latvian psychologist. Ooh. <laughs> who claimed he could uh, record voices from the dead. The Latvian psychologist's name was Konstantin Raudive. Wow. Ooh, you did some deep diving, man. I'm impressed. Wow. I did, I did. Everybody's clever nowadays, as, uh, <laughs> as Morrissey sang. So I'm older now, I'm a clever swine, and I really do appreciate all the songs that stood by me in the years that, that got me through. So uh, I love this song, it's great. It gives me a sense of gratitude for all the music that uh, did so much for me. I mean, I feel like music has done more for me than I've done for it, and so uh, I'm really appreciative of it, and um, I just love it. You're setting back the scales now. Yes, happy to pay it forward. You're paying it forward. Payback time. And give props to all the music that got me through those awkward adolescent years. Eh, you, you weren't that awkward. It's a rubber ring. Ah, thank you, Chris. That's true. <laughs> Except when you bought that NXS beret. That was weird. Wow. Well, it, it paired nicely with my Depeche Mode scarf. Right. I like that beret. <laughs> and you pulled it off. I think you pulled it off. <laughs> I did. On that note, Rich, would you like to take the next song? It's very French. <laughs> For the record, that was a rubber ring, not a cock ring, that song, right? <laughs> yes. Right. It's a life preserver. <laughs> I'm going to need a moment. Great, great song. That's the beauty of music. You can interpret it any way you want to. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, this is a PG show. Not anymore. Is it? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I think we just got the explicit rating. Yeah, Richie, where do you want to take us? 1985 was a difficult year for me. Yeah, I left you guys. Yes, you did. And in the middle of 1985, I moved from Boston to Seattle, which it was, could have been Lake Wobegon to me at that time. It was, uh, I had no idea what we were doing or why, but <laughs> so it's a bittersweet time for me. It was a, it ended up being worked out in the long run very well, but I think, you know, we were getting so tight. We had our little DJ business and, you know, we're becoming good friends. We had this passion for music that was really I think still growing at the time when I left. So it was a difficult time. That said, stepped aside and Tom and Derek took over. I think he stepped into the DJ business officially. No, Nash. No, that was me. I filled in for you. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Nash did. Yeah. So it was difficult being thousands of miles away and watching all that unfold. So I'm going to play a lot of dark, really brooding, sad songs. <laughs> That's all we listen to. And you know, it was so hard to pick songs. No, they're not going to be dark and brooding. But I noticed they're pretty guitar heavy at this time, kind of bands that are turning away from the electronic synth. I try every week to pick a female band, but I didn't this week for whatever reason. But all of the bands that I picked have cited Susie and the Banshees as being one of their biggest influencers. So I just had to get that out there. The first pick, I'm going to not go with the song that I was going to do. I'm going to leave that door open for one of you guys to take one of the other picks that I had, if you'd like. The gamesmanship begins. I'm going to go with an album. KG Move. With two brothers from Scotland. This was their biggest album, I think. It's Psycho Candy. This is Jesus and Mary Chain. Two brothers from Scotland, known for very short shows. All their live shows at the point were 20, 25 minutes. A lot of drugs and alcohol are usually involved and a lot of beer bottle throwing. They'd actually play with their backs to the crowd. That was pretty interesting and fitting. So I feel like I'm <laughs> turning my back on my Boston friends. But, um, wow. It is an art piece. 
this album. It's one that grows on you. It is not something that you just pick up and say, oh, this is a banger. I'm going to listen to this all the time. It has grown on me over the years. So anyway, it took me a while to pick which song because the, the album is so great. Very guitar heavy, a lot of reverb, pretty dark, but it just grows on you and grows on you. It's kind of like the it's creeper. It's like the Mexican ditchweed that we have here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while. That's complicated. Okay. <laughs> so I picked... This is a love song, a bittersweet love song for a lost love and memories of her. This is Taste of Cindy by the Jesus and Mary Jane. Nice. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round 10, quick one <laughs> very efficient minute 42 excellent they're so great i mean it's such a weird combination of almost like real throwback almost like 50s pop right yeah, beach boys but just absolutely drenched and sloppy and crazy. i mean some of the stuff is much crazier than this but you know and has a sort of like phil specter wall of sound aspect to it too i mean it's such an interesting sound it's like the ronettes underwater yeah, yeah. you know what i mean it's like really yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a poppier version of suicide in a weird way like just kind of influenced by the same bands i hear that yeah i hear that but yeah. kind of spit out in a different way but i mean apparently the velvet underground was kind of what got them off their butts they heard the velvet underground they're like that's it that's kind of what we're shooting for but they don't necessarily have a punk sound but they had a punk attitude and that they kind of went into starting a band before they really knew how to play and i think at the point at which they put this record out no one would consider them accomplished musicians at all but they had a vision and they made this sound that was a lot of people see as real touchstone. This is actually part of what I found interesting about this time period is that there are certain bands that have almost professionalized. I think like New Order's Low Life is the most kind of commercially accomplished record that they had done up to that point. I'd say probably The Cure's Head on the Door was also a record that felt very kind of commercially accomplished. 
And I think in a weird way, what's interesting about, you know, the Jesus and Mary chain was that they were kind of in the earlier part of that process. Like they had really just, like you said, they were barely musicians. They had barely figured out how to do what it, but they had chemistry and that chemistry was really intriguing. It's funny. I have a very vivid memory of, you know, you guys, we used to go to Newbury Comics in mm -hmm. Harvard Square and it was at the second floor of this sure. sort of like indoor mall. And you would go up yeah, with a ramp that went The up. garage. Yeah, the garage. You would go up a ramp and then you have a turn and then you'd come up the second part of the ramp. When you turned around the second part of the ramp, you would see all the posters that they had in the window of this store. And I remember, like, I didn't know who Jesus and the Mary Chain was, but I do remember specifically one day making that turn and seeing the poster for Psycho Candy and saying, like, I don't know who they are. I trust, like, the curation of this store. <laughs> the poster looks so fucking cool. I have to buy this. Knowing nothing at all, I have to buy this record. It was really just like a, like the best bit of advertising you could ever conjure. It was a really vivid memory. And I, I bought the record that day. And um, I think the first couple of listens, I was probably like a little scared, just how raw it was and how fuzzy it was. And then I just grew to love it. It's, it's a really terrific these guys are great. Yeah. Didn't someone say that they were trying to get the Beach Boy harmonies, but just fuzz it up? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Chris, why don't you take the next one? Okay. Um, this is probably an unusual pick for me, but I'm going to go with it anyhow. Madonna? No, it's not Madonna. Um, <laughs> 1985 was a time when I was getting into music, but at the same time, I was also really getting into movies. And that would become sort of the path that my career would eventually go down as like a movies writer and movie critic. And I remember in 1985, seeing this movie directed by Billy Friedkin, who did The Exorcist and a bunch of other films called To Live and Die in L.A. And I loved it. I thought Willem Dafoe, who played sort of like the, the villain, was like just the weirdest, coolest looking dude I had ever seen in my life. The movie had so much style. It reminded me a lot of like Manhunter, which also came out around that time. The music was great. And it turns out that the music was primarily composed by Wang Chung, now, Wang Chung is not a band that I would like go. I went into that movie like really excited about them doing the score for the film because they were like the dance hall days band. I mean, right. really sort of like poppy. They and, were the everybody Wang Chung tonight band. No, I think that's after this. That came after Did, this. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. This is the dance hall days Wang Chung. Oh, well. And they also had Don't Let Go, which was actually a better song than dance hall days. But Agreed. Anyway, and Jack Hughes, I, I just, even though he's, you know, they were a pop band and I feel like kind of a joke, he's got a terrific voice and these guys are really good musicians and for some reason, they really dialed into this movie and it just, the music in this movie really works. So I don't know if this will work without the movie behind it, but I'm going to choose this song just because it was, it made an impact on me in that year. So this is To Live and Die in L.A. from the movie To Live and Die in L.A. by Wang Chung. It's Deep Cuts.
feel bad climbing in on the songs. It just holds up so well. I love how the keyboards in this particular track are kind of like almost like a, a Rolling Stones hook. It's so catchy. It's like a really great yeah. hook. And then those changes on the choruses are fantastic. Like it's a really well-written song and it saturate the entire movie with atmosphere and with a slickness and a modern feeling to it. Yeah. It's a dark movie. Yeah. There's just so much to love about it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, there's also like this great instrumental thing on the soundtrack where I don't know if you remember this scene or not. To me, it's like the best scene in the movie other than the car chase maybe, but the, it's uh, the scene where Willem Dafoe is count making the counterfeit money. Yep. And in like this the whole montage. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. I would suggest anyone go out there and just like YouTube that scene. It's, it's ridiculously good. Yeah. But underrated film, underrated band, underrated song. That's my pick. I think we call that a double deep cut. Double deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> and also don't let go from points on the curve. You're right, Chris. That's a good song. Better song than dance all day. Yep. I still remember when I watched this movie in the theater and it was one of the first movies I'd ever seen where they killed off the main character before the film was over. Crazy. Spoiler alert, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's been a little while. We're giving spoilers for 1985 movies. Came out 36 years ago. <laughs> But it's like, it's such a dark, I remember because I saw it the year that it came out and I remember it was so much beyond what I should have seen at that age. And I think yeah. it was such a dark and moody film. And again, we talked about LA a couple of weeks ago with like Screen Kiss, but I also feel like it was another way of understanding kind of the certain weird saturation of light that's in Los Angeles and yeah. the sort of weird mix of criminality and commerce. And I don't know, just a really intriguing movie. I'm so glad you pulled this one out. Well, thank you. I think it might've also been William Friedkin's last really good movie too yeah absolutely anyway yeah well derek where do you want to take us from here i want to take us i guess back to minneapolis you never leave minneapolis i know i, <laughs> I swear it's my spiritual second city i don't know we may have to kind of do some repeating as these go on i don't think this is the last time who's do is going to come up on this podcast i know it certainly isn't for me 85 was a big year for the band Who's Do. They put out both um, Flip Your Wig and New Day Rising, yep. both really great records and a bit of a turn away from their more kind of hardcore roots. Bob Mould, Grant Hart, uh, Greg Norton, bass player with a really great handlebar mustache, wrote a song called uh, Celebrated Summer off the New Day Rising record. And... I really like it. I think it's kind of a great sampler of what's great about Husker Du. It's got uh, loud and fast stuff. It's got some acoustic guitar. It's got a little anger. It's got a little wistfulness. It's a really classic Husker Du song. It's celebrated summer off the record New Day Rising from Husker Du.
Then the sun disintegrates between a wall of clouds. I saw the where I went at. No one is allowed there. Such relentless energy. It's just relentless energy. Oh my goodness. All right, Derek, you have a choice. Oh. You can choose between New Day Rising and Flip Your Wig. You can only take one. Which one is it? Uh, flip Your Wig. Me too. Wow. Okay. Flip, <laughs> right. flip, flip your wig. <laughs> I mean, you know. Green eyes. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I chose a song tonight off New Day Rising, but it's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Great song. What do you hear? Yeah. So, I'm going to go with a weird one. Keep it weird, Tommy. Yep. I'll just play it, and then we'll talk about it. Hopefully you like it. It's Deep Oh, cuts. I like that. Drama. Are you going to even tell us the name or the artist? No, let him just drop it. Crawling. There you go. Ooh. This is a first, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoy it. Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round 10, 1985 is the year.
It's the band, uh, <laughs> the Dukes of Stratosphere. XTC. Yeah, it's XTC doing a, a fun, fun kind of joke project where they. No, 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 no. What? Not what? a joke project. Challenge. Go ahead. Derek takes acceptance to that. Yes. Not a joke by any stretch. No. Agreed. These are two amazing, <laughs> amazing records. I 100% agree. 25 o'clock. Yeah, they're like. Sunspot. Like Beatles songs that never got released, some of these things. I mean, come on. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. This is not a joke. Well, I think this stuff is great. And I think there's so many great songs like Vanishing Girls, an in- incredible song. I, you know, like. <laughs> Brainiac's daughter. There's so much good yes. stuff on the Dukes of Stratosphere stuff. I love the passion. I love the passion. I love how upset we got you. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, it's not. And I'm angry that you picked it because I was. I, <laughs> oh, Dirk's angry. He's angry for a bunch of reasons, apparently. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to play Vanishing Girl. I wanted to play other stuff. You, you know, I definitely was like, oh, I got there first. You bastard. Ugh. This is one of those records that, like, it's astonishing. I mean, just to your point, it's so good on so many levels. I love the rules that they set up to do this. They said that all... So, just in context, XTC in 1985 released this record. It sounds very much like a 1967 album. They were trying to take all of their favorite bands from 67, including the Beatles, and find a way to kind of capture all their favorite parts. It was Andy Partridge, Colin Moulding, Dave, and Ian Gregory. Ian Gregory's not a regular drummer. He just joined them to do this record. They knocked it out super fast. They had three rules. You can only follow the conventions of 67 and 68 psychedelia. You can only do two takes to make the record work. And Hmm. it has to be vintage equipment whenever possible. And to think about this being done with two takes is just stunning to me. Did they go by the same rules on Sunspot, the 87 record? I don't know. I like that record better than this one. I do too. I do too. But to me, like, also this got released on April Fool's Day in 1985. Oh, really? Yeah. And they presented it as a long lost collection of recordings by a late 1960s group. So it took a while for people to figure out that it's actually XTC. No kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so great. So it's a joke in a sense, but not in like the disposable sense, but more in this sort of like cheeky sort of sense. Yes. Right. And it's funny that you picked this. Did you see that um, it's just really announced this week that Andy Partridge is Releasing a series of EPs called uh, Yeah, finally releasing his solo oh. stuff. Yeah, my failed songwriting career is the name of the series that he's putting out. Oh, that's great! That's fantastic. Just a bunch of stuff that he recorded for other people to possibly record that things didn't necessarily people didn't record him, but he's putting it out after all this time. I bet that's amazing. Yeah, I'm such a fan of them, and to think like a band that did the Beatles as well as the Beatles did in many ways is just kind of a stunning thing. So anyway, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. Did anyone ever see his, um, see the show Waterfalls? He did the theme song for it. No. Mm-mm. What do you mean? Starred the guy who was in uh, Halt and Catch Fire, Tom. What's what's his name? Oh, really? Lee Pace? Yes. So there's a show. I want to say it was only a season or two, but it's called Waterfalls. And Andy Partridge wrote the theme song. It was excellent. Huh. It's hard to find. I think you can find it on YouTube. Hmm. Hmm. Good to know. Well, Billy, you're up next. Where do you want to take us? Oh, good God. Can I steal the prefab sprout from you? I know you have it on your list. Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> Just do it. Exactly. Don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. All right. That's right. All right. So I'm going to do it. What the fuck? There you go. I'm doing prefab sprout, which is probably my, well, Steve McQueen is probably my top five album of all time. I think this album is fantastic. Tom last week played Screen Kiss by Thomas Dolby from Flat Earth. This is really continuation of that because Prefab Sprout used Thomas Dolby to produce this record and he was kind of the fifth prefabber 
in the band. And his sonic fingerprints are all over this song. I'm choosing the song Desire As, which um, has some really cold lyrics. I've got six things on my mind and you're no longer one of them. That is cold. It's certainly a put down of uh, his object of affection, but I think it's equally a, a put down of himself. Patty McAloon's great with his lyrics and had unusual songs. I guess Thomas Dolby overheard or was listening to some of the songs from Swoon from Prepaid Sprout's first record and uh, said, I'd love to work with you guys. And Patty gave him like a collection of 40 plus songs and said, I don't know, do what you can with these. And he came up with this record. And the result was Steve McQueen, which I think is Prepaid Sprout's best record. This album is just phenomenal. This is Desire As by Prefab Sprout. Be is far from the 
into the song. I just love this song so much. Yeah, Tom and I both chose this song, so it was just a race to see who would get it out first. Yeah. It's interesting, you mentioned the Thomas Dolby thing last week, and I think like if I had any criticism against Thomas Dolby is that he'll tend to be a little bit too intellectual and too clever at times. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Patty McAloon is so emotional. And if you think about the songs on this album, like Farron Young, Bonnie, When Love Breaks Down, Goodbye Lucille, it's just, and then this record, which is really at the end of the record, it's the second to last song on the album. Mm-hmm. He has such a warm and genuine voice and the lyrics are clever, but they're not intellectual the same way that some of Thomas Dolby stuff is. And I think for us being kind of sensitive kids, I think we really responded to it in the sense that it's a very, it's a record of its time, but it's also one that feels about adulthood and it feels about adult relationships. Even if we hadn't had them yet, it felt the sense of yearning of getting there. And I just love this album so much. Was When Love Breaks Down the single on this? Yes, which they released multiple times. Yeah. Kept flopping and flopping and then eventually became somewhat successful on MTV. Yeah. What's amazing is these songs were written while Patty McAloon was was a teen. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote like an adult, but these were just a collection of songs he had. He threw them to Thomas Dolby and said, you know, make of them what you can. And I uh, didn't know that story. That's really interesting that, that he just like handed them this, yeah. you know. I think Dolby heard him on, on BBC and says, you know, I'd love to work with you. And Mecklen said, I don't know, here, see what you can do with these songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Mecklen has sort of a Cole Porter sort of quality to him. You know, he writes a lot of Tin Pen Alley type stuff. Yeah. And a lot of weird, wacky changes. Like if you listen to his first record, Swoon, there's a lot of dramatic changes in songs, and some of it works, some of it doesn't. But Dolby really made it all work perfectly on this record. And for that reason, it's probably my favorite record of 85. Yeah, I also love Wendy Smith's vocals, her backing vocals, the way they kind of pair off of each other. It feels like there's so much vulnerability and so much mm-hmm. collaboration in the story. It's just a, I don't know, it's a stunning, I'm so glad you played it. Anyway, I'm all weepy. One of us was going to play it. Great album. Yeah, one of us was going <laughs> to drop it. So, Rich, yep. where do you want to take us? I was debating going with the Scottish theme or with the brother theme. Uh-huh. Do you have Scottish brothers? <laughs> I have Welsh identical <laughs> twins that I could pull yeah. out. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, by the name of Ashton, what are, what are their last names? I'm going there with uh, Jay and Michael Ashton. There you go. Yes. Yeah, I think they ended up <laughs> suing each other at the end of their career. But, uh, <laughs> it didn't end well for the brothers. Anyway, 1985, they had this album called Immigrant, and I listened to it quite a bit. I'm not embarrassed to say I, I really did like this album. They ended up getting big with their next album, Desire, I think, in 86 or 87. But that's not really what makes them interesting. I think the story, when I started digging into a little bit, Gene Loves Jezebel is, the name of their band comes from uh, Gene Vincent, who was a rockabilly somewhat star in the 50s and 60s. He had a song called Jezebel. Uh, it was... Uh, Bebopalula, which we all know and love. Yes, sir. But I think it was a bit of a problem and it's a bit self-destructive and a bit of a drunk. And this is interesting. He ended up in 1968 taking shots, shooting Gary Glitter. Oh, 
Well, that worked out well. With a gun. With a gun. Wait, what? And he missed him. And he completely missed him. Was he going all Aaron Burr? Wait, did you just say the guy from Gene Loves Jezebel shot Gary Glitter? Sorry. No. Gene Vincent, <laughs> who Gene Loves Jezebel, is named after. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> like a Rubik. So I spaced out there for a second. I was like, what did I just hear? That's what I love about this. When you do the research for this, you And just... isn't Gary Glitter an alleged pedophile? Not alleged. Convicted, like, time. Alleged. Alleged. We don't want to get any legal trouble. He is incarcerated. Convicted pedophile? Okay. I'm keeping my mouth <laughs> shut. He's not alleged. He is currently incarcerated okay. uh, until 1931 or something. Or until 2031. I was playing it safe. Derek, how about it? Yeah, go ahead, Derek. Make all the jokes you <laughs> Can want. Can I say it now? Gary Glitter's a pedophile. <laughs> so yeah, he was caught with child pornography on his computer or whatever they had, like just photos. All ways of introducing Gene Loves Jezebel. Yeah. And so this is the most interesting part about Gene Loves Jezebel. Right. But they're named after a guy that tried to kill Gene. We're getting to it, Tommy. In the second hour, we will get to it. Gary Glitter. And if he had been successful, maybe. Everyone's problems would have gone away, but I went way off on this tangent on Gene Love Jezebel. So I had to bring up that story <laughs> so we could listen to Gene Love Jezebel. And uh, I think that's about all I have to say about them. They're identical twins. All right. <laughs> Freaky. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 10, 1985 is the year. Rich Air's choice is Gene Love Jezebel and the Immigrant.
I'm assuming you were the one that probably introduced us to Jean Loves Jezebel. Does that sound about right, Rich? Possibly. Yeah, it's possible. I don't remember, though. No one else wants to take credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) On me. I remember I had the record Desire, but I don't remember. Yeah. Well, Rich, kudos to Rich for going with the record before their hit. Yeah. Well done, Rich. That was certainly before I knew them. Immigrant. Cow. Cow was a good song. Yeah. But who did they open for that we saw them play for? Oh, good question. They opened for someone we saw. A uh, UMass? You're right. No. No. It, in, uh, Where was it? Where? A Boston show in high school. They opened for... I, can't, I couldn't tell you. They did tour with uh, New Order at a certain point. It might have been a New Order show. There was stuff about in the Peter Oak book about how crazy the backstage scene was with the Gene Loves Jezebel guys. Peter Hook was like, I thought we were crazy <laughs> with uh, bringing women backstage. Those guys were- With those Ashton boys. Up to no good compared to us. Right before uh, COVID hit, they opened for the alarm. Oh, oh there's a double bill. Oh, geez. That's depressing. Maybe it was an alarm show. Maybe it was the strength tour that we saw them. I didn't see the alarm show. It was definitely someone I saw. Anyway, this is inside baseball that people don't care about. Yes. Yeah, this is stuff for the bonus show that folks will want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. (laughs) If you want the eight-hour bonus show where we try to figure out what band played with what band. (laughs) Yes. Well, speaking of the bonus show, I was going to play this in the bonus show, but then I thought that Tom might play it, so I'm going to preempt him. (laughs) Aggressive. Bastard. Very aggressive. (laughs) By playing a little uh, Machiavellian gamesmanship here on the uh, (laughs) round two. Um, So, okay, I'm going to go we with, may not make it to the bonus round. <laughs> I'm going to go with the fall. Yes. I am not the world, you know, like you have to have a degree in Mumbling. like Kremlinology <laughs> to figure out the fall and like the various band members who were in the band at various times. <laughs> I could not tell you who was actually in the band during this nation saving grace, but I can tell you that it is one of the, if not their best album. True. And the song that I'm about to play is just got the snakiest, most infectious like baseline to it and gets like squiggly guitar. I just love this. song. not a lot. It's very repetitive, but it just like really, there's something about it that like really triggers whatever hormone gets released by amazing music. Uh, dopamine, I guess. So uh, this is LA by the fall and it is my favorite song of theirs. And it came out this year. So let's hit it. It's deep cuts lost and found round 10.
almost mad about this, but I'm so happy to hear it, man. It's just... <laughs> You've been talking about the fall forever. I know. A lot of talk, a lot of talk, but he doesn't walk it. Gotta get in there. Yeah. And I like that, uh, I think it's Brick Smith does... Um, oh, wait, you, know, you said you didn't know who was in the band. <laughs> well, I just the only one I know. I think, like, as the song goes on, she keeps saying the line from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, uh, this, this is, is my not happening. happening. It freaks it's me freaking out. me out. <laughs> it's so great. All right. I'll, I actually do know the members of the band, but it's like Marky Smith, Steve Hanlon, Craig Scanlon, Brick Smith on guitar and vocals, occasionally keyboards. They didn't have Simon Wollstonecroft in the band at this time, but they had uh, Carl Burns in there. It's a, an amazing lineup. And this record I listened to probably more than any other record in 1985 because it was like nothing else I'd ever heard before. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's so interesting. There still isn't anything quite like it. No, it's just a stunning, stunning album. I'm so glad you played it, man. It's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to tell you if I did paint you into a corner, but you know. Yeah. All right. He's quote unquote sorry. <laughs> but next, was this on purpose having two LA songs? No, not at all. Oh. It just oh. happened that way. In one show. I mean, it's like LA is becoming another character on the show. I mean, it is. Do we have to have a moratorium on songs about LA? Yes. I feel like we're headed there. I, I may need to do that as an East Coaster. More Boston songs. I think, Derek, you hold the Boston thing down pretty well. I think you represent. I don't. I'm only giving you <laughs> some grief. But no, I, I like some Boston bands. He kids. He kids. He's a kidder. I'm only funning. I'll see if I can stay away from the West Coast for 1986, but I, I think I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Well, Derek, here's your opportunity. What would you like to play next? Do it. All right. It's your second choice. Del Fuego. So I'm going to play X. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The song Los Angeles, which I almost played before, but it's got something on it. It's a hit. I'm going to snipe something from Rich's, what Rich put on the playlist this week. Noise. That uh, since he didn't do, I'm going to scoop up. It's from The Cult, from their album Love, which was, you know, it's a big record for me around this time. Like, I, this record really got me. I found it really exciting. I found it really electrifying. I think it was, uh, I was just, just looked it up March of 86, the next year we saw this band at the Orpheum. I'm not sure who else came, but. I yeah. can tell you what happened. Yeah. I was there. And like. Every it was just this moment where they would play certain songs and specifically this one, the song would kick in and like everybody would just jump <laughs> at the same like it just it was an, just such a electrifying show. And I don't know if I told the story before, but this is also the band where baby boomer parenting style. I think I was in London with my father and my younger brother a few years later. We were staying at a hotel and I had found out that the cult was playing at the Hammersmith Odeon. And I took my younger brother with me. He must have been 12 or younger. And like we were by far the youngest people at this show. And my dad stayed at the hotel and we just got on the tube and went to the Hammersmith Odeon <laughs> and went to the show. And it was the most incredible, you know, like I got a beer and my nice. younger brother was like, yeah, sure, you should be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just us and a bunch of like leather clad. Road to ruin. Yeah, Brits just looking at us like, what are you fucking kids doing here? Wankers. <laughs> and it's an incredible memory like that he let us do that. That's amazing. <laughs> and it was an amazing show, but I loved so many songs on this record. I found it really exciting. As a song from, uh, obviously, there's She Sells Sanctuary is a huge hit from this record. But from uh, the Cult's Love record, this is Hollow Man. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round 10, 1985 is the year. 
it's just a reminder of like what an incredibly good rock and roll record this one was. Oh my god. It really was. It was very exciting. And it's stacked. I mean, from beginning to end, it's like just all potential hits. True. Yeah. It reminds me of kind of like what I loved about ACDC, which is kind of a guilty pleasure, but the idea is that they were so specific about what they were doing and they did it so perfectly. It's not complicated music, but to do it right is really hard. And to me, this record holds up so well. What an incredible release in 85. That's right. But I was disappointed when they put out their next couple of records. Yep. Yeah, Sonic Temple went in a different direction a little bit. I mean, they really did become like an ACDC band. There are a couple of good songs on Electric, but my memory is more of um, us making fun of it a little bit. Oh, Snow Removal Machine? Yeah. I mean, Love Removal Machine. (laughs) I think I did an impression of it. I was like, yeah! Yeah, baby! I don't don't think I could do it anymore. This was their best album, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is the height of their accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same drummer as um, Big Country on the Crossing. Oh, Oh, really? I'm kidding. Mark Brzezicki? Mark Brzezicki. Same drummer. Get out! Did not know that. He played on every song except for She Sells Sanctuary because they they let their drummer go. See, I did some notes because I was prepared for actually do this song. Get out. Wow, but that's a good factoid. That's a good nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if only Derek had done a little research. Well, <laughs> I mean, Astaberry's got the whole kind of modern... He was the Jim Morrison of the 80s. You know, Native American Jim Morrison thing, but I always liked Brett Duffy. I was always looking at Billy Duffy this like white falcon. He felt if he cut his hair, right, it would hurt his soul. Yeah, Duffy was sick guitarist. Billy Duffy. Yeah. I thought Ian Astbury was just like a leather daddy scarecrow a little bit. Like, I didn't really... <laughs> <laughs> leather daddy scarecrow. I liked his voice, but his he gave me the creeps. Yeah. I'm with you, Nash. I'm with Billy Duffy. Billy Duffy, big fan of Johnny Marr. The two of them were friends, actually. Uh, I, can, I believe that. Yeah. Well, I think I'm closing out the show tonight. Tom, close out the show. And I'm actually going to change my mind. After we've taken all of your picks. Right. <laughs> That's right. I feel stripped bare. I'm going to play actually a song from Seventh Dream of Teenage Heaven by Love and Rockets. Yeah. Oh, good nice. for you. Nice. Nice. Yeah. This is their debut. Um, again, this is sort of the ashes of Bauhaus and later Tones on Tail. And then Love and Rockets kind of formed once uh, Peter Murphy left Bauhaus and they kind of reformed as this band. I got this album as a bootleg cassette in Yugoslavia, of all places. I was there in the summertime and they used to have a lot of bootleg versions of songs. And for whatever reason, I didn't bring a lot of music with me or the music that I brought with me, I guess I didn't listen to as much, but I listened to this a lot. So I spent my time on this little island called Ege on the Adriatic coast and literally ran around with nothing but shorts and sandals and listened to this song on headphones constantly. Sandals or espadrilles, Tom, be honest. Sexy. They might have been espadrilles, actually. Good call. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When you say shorts. Speedo? It may have been a speedo. All right. right. I'm not saying it's an attractive look. Ladies and gentlemen, try to pretend that didn't. <laughs> Imagining Tom and Speedos in an Espadil is enough to send all of our listeners away. It's probably true. But this is a record that I listen to a lot, and I think that's something kind of exciting about going back to it. So I'm going to play a song called The Dog End of a Day Gone By. It seems like a nice way to close out our show. It is Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 10, 1985. It is Love and Rockets.
I just remember how big this entire record sounded to me. Like it sounded like big and ambitious and full on headphones, and it just made the world around me just feel vivid and rich and beautiful. Even on those cheap little bootleg cassette that I was listening to the record on. Yeah. So it's nice to hear back, and I think it held up pretty well. This record to me holds up really nicely. Oh yeah, yeah, I like this album. It does. It's a good record. I liked some Bauhaus stuff, but I always wanted to like them more than I did. Ditto. But Love and Rockets kind of I was in right away. I like Love and Rockets more than Bauhaus. I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I still listen to Earth, Sun, and Moon regularly. That's a good record. That's a really, we'll be getting to that record for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Good. I think Nash might have a soft spot for that one. Oh, yeah. But that's, it's a, that's a good one. We'll get there. This does wrap up our thing. We should talk about further listening. So, ah, uh, um, yeah. Whew. Good, good. And just so you know, we know that Low Life came out this year. We just yeah. Uh, you're gonna have to tune into the after show for a little Low Life action. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw out a few records that were kind of important that we did not play, but we didn't play anything from Aha, Hunting High and Low, which I don't think holds up as a great record, but it's a great single. Yeah. I personally love the Dire Straits Brothers in Arms record. I think it's a great album. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kate Bush released Hounds of Love. Yeah. New Order, of course. Low Life was just mentioned. REM Fables of the Reconstruction. Thing released the Dream of the Blue Turtles, which was a huge record in that moment. Yes. Um, Tim by the Replacements. Tim by the Replacements. Killing Joke released Nighttime, a record that we were really into at the time. Love Like Blood and 80s. Yep, yep. absolutely. Uh, again, uh, Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair was from this year. The first big audio dynamite album. Exactly. I was going to say one of my favorite records at the time, which I listened to again and did not hold up the way I wanted to, was the big audio dynamite record. I'm not sure. The singles hold up well, but the rest of it does not. Yeah, if feels like a little bit of a sketch thing. And also, we did not play anything from Brian Ferry's Boys and Girls, which was a huge record for us, I think. At least it was for me. Yeah. And I was also a really big fan of the Peter Gabriel soundtrack to Birdie. I bought that on vinyl back at that time period, and it was kind of a perfect bridge between Peter Gabriel records because I was listening to a lot of his stuff at the time. Should we jump into further listening before you list everyone's further listening choice? Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, no, Tom hasn't even mentioned the fact that The Cure put out Head on the Door this year. Exactly, exactly. Or Simple Minds put out their biggest record. I think that came up at the very beginning. Okay, all right, fair That's enough. That's true. Chris, why don't you give us your further listening before I ruin more of it? <laughs> the one I chose is, because um, I listened to it last night and really enjoyed it a lot, was Grace Jones's Slave to the Rhythm, a real Really, really great record, oh, nice. which is almost like an autobiography album. Yeah, it's really terrific. It's got a few really um, this first song, "Fashion," and the last song, "Ladies and Gentlemen." Grace Jones is is really just their top notch stuff. So I would pick that. Nice, Derek. What would be your uh, suggestions for further listening? A record that's worth exploring again. I'm gonna suggest the Meat Puppets. Uh, their record "Up on the Sun." Nice. Just a real classic record from those weirdos from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Very nice. And Rich, how about you? <laughs> I'd suggest "Into the Sea" by the Waterboys. Nice. nice. Such a great record. Eighty-five Scottish band. Yeah, great rock band with that little swirl of English folk kind of thing to it. It was basically Mike Scott, a one-man band, but he had a cast of characters that kept rotating through were the Water Boys. The original guys went on to play with China Crisis and World Party. It's a great band. Great album. Yeah, Billy, what would be your suggestion for further listening? Uh, I'm going to drag this out as long as possible. Okay. (laughs) I'm sad to say goodbye to 85 since it is my favorite year. I'm going to recommend a local band who everybody who's from Boston knows, but folks outside of Boston probably have no idea who I'm talking about. I'm talking about O Positive, a band all of us saw in concert. I think I've seen them more than any other band ever. 
just a phenomenal group. They had a, a minor hit on uh, Boston radio called With You, also known as Smoke a Cigarette, but uh, really a strong, strong discography. Um, I recommend uh, Weight of Days from the Only Breathing record. Uh, you'll hear uh, some really interesting guitar work from Al Petiti, who makes his guitar sound almost like a seagull. Dave Hurley, he's a great singer. So I'm going to recommend O Positive and the Only Breathing EP from 1985. Very nice. I'll go with another EP, actually. The Wooden Tops, Well, 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 got released in 1985. Ooh. And I came so close to playing it. Ooh. But I wanted to yeah. play the hit. I want to play like Well, Well, Well so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fast and so exciting. And I just felt like I couldn't play the hit. So I skipped it. But I would recommend The Wooden Tops, Well, Well, Well. I love that choice. Ah. I love yeah. that choice. Such a wonderful thing. So we now get to move to our vote. Oh. So is everybody prepared to add into the chat their vote? This is the best discovery of the night. Deepest cut. You have to remind us of the picks. I need reminders. Yeah, I'm going to give you all the picks. So Billy started us out with the Smiths and Rubber Ring. It's actually the B-side of the boy with a thorn in his side. Correct. Came out in 1985, not on the uh, Queen is Dead album, Tommy, as you yep. checked me earlier today. I tried to check you and just say it was on 86. I appreciate the fact. Checking, but I know my business. <laughs> I, you, you certainly do. Rich uh, came in with Jesus and Mary Chain and Taste of Cindy from Psycho Candy. Chris came in with Wang Chung and the score to the film To Live and Die in L.A. and the title song from that film. Derek came in with the Husker Du Band and Celebrated Summer, New Day Rising. <laughs> the Husker Du Band? Those Husker Du fellas. <laughs> hey. Um, and uh, I came in with the Dukes of Stratosphere, an XTC side project, not a joke band. Mole from the Ministry <laughs> is the name of the song from 25 O'Clock, their EP, debut EP. Uh, Billy came in with Prefab Sprouts, Desire As, Stole It Right Out From Under Me from Steve McQueen, also known as Two Wheels Good, one of the finest records of the year as far as I'm concerned. Rich came in with Gene Loves Jezebel and the title track from their album, The Immigrant. Chris came in with The Fall, also stolen right out from under me. The (laughs) song is L.A. from This Nation, Saving Grace, a truly stunning record. I won't get get into how much I love that album. Derek played The Cults and uh, Hollow Man for the album Love. And I closed it out with The Dog End of a Day Gone By by Love and Rockets and their debut album, Seventh Dream of Teenage Heaven. Is everybody ready to vote? Yes. Ready. All right. Here we go. One, two, and three. Hmm. Uh, let's see. We got Rich uh, vote for uh, Immigrant, Gene Love Jezebel. Uh-huh. Not, G- wait. No, no, I'm sorry. Jesus and Mary Jane. Rich and I both got a two votes, but for different songs. Different songs. So it's sort of a tie. Oh, that's a tie. That's a coin flip, whoever gets first pick in the bonus round. Yep. Interesting. That's a coin flip. You want to do rock, paper, scissors, Rich? Do Rochambeau. Yeah. Ready? Are we doing best out of three? Nope. Just one. Just one. Yep. Okay. One, Ready? two, three. Are we doing it on three or are we doing it one, two, three, shoot? <laughs> on three. Okay. One, two, three, go. Damn it. No, I got scissors. You got rock. You win. Oh. Wait, no, your rock broke his scissors. So, Rich, you won. I did win. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's like Bart, like Bart on The Simpsons. Come on, rock. Nothing beats rock. <laughs> so th- those of you who want... Paper. Yeah. 
Those of you who want to check out, Rich will be the leadoff hitter on the Patreon page where we do one more round from 1985. What a stunning year. On behalf of Derek Brain, Bill Federko, Rich Ayer, Chris Nashawati, myself, Thomas Golubich, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We have certainly uh, enjoyed this thing. Oh, what did I miss, Bill? You're giving me a... Social media, my friend. Oh, social media. My bad. Please. How do you find us? Yeah, so check us out on Twitter, Deep Cuts Lost and Found. And as Tom just mentioned, for the bonus round, check us out on Patreon. Exactly. Exactly. So on that note, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Crazy. We'll be back next week with, believe it or not, 1986. That's right. It's like right at the cusp of the end of our high school experience, I'm sure. You know, Tom, that's a good point. This is really the, I'd say, the beginning of the end of uh, New Wave. I mean, we have Live Aid. Everything gets kind of earnest at this point. And I think we've kind of crested and we're about to go into college rock, which is great too, but it's a different direction. So I feel like we're at the end of an era. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I agree. And I think elbows will be thrown next week. So you can look forward to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to get blood. Sharpen them up. Put up your dukes. Sharpen them out. On that note, come on back. Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round 10, 1985. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks so much. Ha, ha, ha.